We're going to be looking in Mark chapter 6 today. Mark chapter 6, a message I call the ministry of multiplication. Mark chapter 6, verse 39. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Our story today is one of the most famous miracles that Jesus performed. Only two of his miracles were mentioned in all four of the gospel accounts. This one and, of course, his resurrection from the dead. Uh, That makes this miracle, obviously, a rather unique one. The events of the passage played out because Jesus planned a rest. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. Now remember that Jesus had sent out the twelve and he had given them power over diseases and over demons. So they went out preaching. They were preaching the same message that Jesus preached. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But as news spread, and it certainly spread, I mean, uh, uh, Galilee was uh, not a a huge metropolis with 10 million people, but it wasn't uh, just sparsely populated either. There were over 200 villages in town. Uh, numbered in that region of Galilee and quite a few people. And they had heard, even Herod had heard that these people were out there doing the same kinds of miracles that Jesus had done. And as word spread then that the disciples, not just Jesus anymore, and we'd already seen that story a few weeks ago where they tried to bring that helpless man to Jesus and they couldn't even get to him. Uh, But now there's all the disciples are out there. And so the people are crowding around them. And it had gotten so bad that um, they didn't even have time to eat. And so they came to Jesus, and Jesus immediately suggested that they get in the boat and cross the sea. But this time they weren't heading somewhere. They were heading to nowhere. But it wasn't a big enough nowhere. I think about a commercial from a few months ago. It might have been a few years ago. You know, time flies when you're having fun. And uh, there was a guy that uh, they kept talking to him, well, are we far enough? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Finally, he got out in the place, and he's holding up his cell phone, looking around, and he says, yeah, we're here. They'd finally got somewhere where they had no service. Y'all remember that commercial? No, you don't. Okay. I remember it. I don't know why. Just, I guess because it just sounded so fond to me. Every time I'd see that commercial, I'd think of a sing- simple solution. Turn the thing off. You know, there is an off button on that. Some of you young people act like I just committed blasphemy, said blasphemy. I I can feel it. What? Turn it off? I'll admit it's a lot easier for those of us who lived in a time when you didn't have those things. It's not that big a deal to us. 
Somebody, you know, every now and then somebody texts me, and then a few minutes later they're called. I sent you a text, and you didn't get back to me. I said, hey, my phone was across the house. What? I leave it in the car sometimes. I, I, let me give you another. Now, it just until just recently, if I left my car, uh, my phone at home, it stayed home. <laughs> what an interesting! I've just now got to where I'll go back get it, and I have to do that a lot. It seems like it's either my phone or my wallet. Every time I leave, I've left behind. Hey, I'll get old too. Uh, these things have certainly changed our life in a lot of ways. But it has not taken away from us the need for occasionally disconnecting. Jesus saw that with His disciples. They'd been busy. They'd been active. People were pressing against them. They were tired. They needed a rest. And He knew that the only way they were going to get it was to get out into a deserted place. They traveled about four miles by boat. It was about twice that much in order to walk around, so about eight miles. Now, those of you who are walkers know that you can do four miles in an hour if you pick them up and put them down pretty good and don't dawdle. You can, you can do that. So a couple of hours, eight miles, uh, maybe two and a half hours, three. Jesus and the guys were taking a leisurely sail no doubt they had time to eat their food. They hadn't had time to do that in a while. So uh, they took the time to eat, maybe even got a nap. And even though it was just a short rest, it, it was a rest. But then when they landed on the shore, there the crowd was. No doubt everybody didn't show up at once. Some of them, you know, it just came in. And, and we know from reading the gospel accounts that Jesus was teaching. We know that he also healed some people there, whatever it was that was going on. But whatever they would have brought, uh, if as far as food was concerned, had been consumed along the way. All the gospel accounts mention the 5,000 men, all four of them do, 5,000 men. Matthew's account adds in besides women and children, which would tell us that this crowd could easily number in the thousand, far beyond 5,000, easily be up in as much as 20,000 people, very easily. Uh, just by adding in the women and children, it was a huge, huge crowd. And though these people had seen many miracles before, this one was going to have a unique kind of impact. Uh, John says in John 6, 15, that after they saw this, uh, Jesus recognized, realized that they would come and take him by force and make him king. What a strategic thing this was to have this kind of a leader, a leader who could heal your diseases if you got sick, a leader who could heal your wounds if you were wounded in battle, even if you were killed. He could raise his soldiers back up. Feed them all so that there was never any lack of food. No, that's, uh, they said, hey, we'd, we'd be an unstoppable army. We've got enough people here. We could attack Herod. They hated Herod. Herod was a ruthless ruler. We could take him out. We could overthrow him and set Jesus up as our king. What a ruler, they said. He'd be. Well, their facts were right. Jesus would be a ruler and a great ruler. Not for the reasons that they were thinking, though. He will indeed be king, but it wasn't that time. 
So Jesus has met the crowd. He's healed their diseases. He's taught them. And what we have before us then as we see this story play out is a time when Jesus was going to teach his disciples about multiplying ministry. Now this is something we see all over the New Testament era. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul would say, The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Jesus had multiplied his own ministry by sending out the twelve. And now he's going to teach them that even twelve was not going to be enough. And they were going to need a lot more. They got a hard lesson for that this day in verse 35. When the day was now far spent, you know, for a long time I thought this happened at lunch. But the day was far spent, Mark says, way up in the evening. And his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now 200 denarii was about eight months wages in the Bible time. So think about what you make in a month. This is times eight. This is a huge, huge amount of money that they had available to them. Uh, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five, five loaves and two fish. This was a reasonable request, you see. It was getting late in the day, close to supper time. It was spring, so it wasn't the dead of winter, but still it was going to get cold at night after the sun went down. And people needed to get back home. It wasn't an extraordinary journey, just a couple of hours. It took them a couple of hours to get there, to take them a couple of hours to get home. The disciples said, it's time to send these folks away because it's late in the day. We don't know what time the ship left, early in the morning, no doubt. Uh, it would be around at least lunchtime, when, sometime just before that when they gathered up. And, and, but now you see it's all the way up in the day to supper time, and Jesus has been teaching all of this time. <laughs> uh, this crowd, a uh, lot more uh, endurance than most modern crowds have. Most modern crowds would be gone by about 12.15, 12.30 at the latest, they'd be outy. But here these people were still there, and think about it. They didn't have any grocery stores. They didn't have a convenience store. They didn't even have any porta potties. I don't know how they stayed that long. I don't know. It's a strange kind of thing that they were able to come and stay all of this time. And now, what are we going to do with them? It's time to send them home, and get something to eat. But Jesus said, no, no. You feed them. You feed them. The situation itself really was not all that unprecedented. We go back into the Old Testament, we can remember very quickly how God fed the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. And there were hundreds of thousands or millions perhaps of them. We don't know how many, but however many there were, God fed them for 40 years with manna from heaven. But think about uh, Elijah and the story of the, the widow and her son who just kept feeding him with just a tiny bit of meal and oil because it just kept multiplying. But, you know, this is something that we, we have difficulty comprehending. It's hard for us to think about providing food for this many people. 
on this kind of scale. If you hang around uh, places where uh, churches put together potluck, you go around the kitchen, you won't go around too many times before you'll hear people saying, well, you know, Jesus may just have to do this again. And, and now, now you get this. They, they don't really think Jesus is going to do that again. What they're really saying is somebody might have to make a run to Kentucky Fried Chicken because I'm not sure we've got enough food for all these people. The disciples didn't expect Jesus to do this, never entered their mind. What are we going to do? Even if we had, if, if, if we could, if we thought about getting the money and going to buy it, where would we buy it? There's nowhere to buy it. We're in a deserted place. The only reasonable thing to do was send them home. But Jesus said, no. No. You give them something to eat. You see, Jesus is going to teach them about multiplying their ministry. And this is something we all need because it won't be long in our own lives. Uh, trying to serve Jesus, if God bless, blesses us, it won't take long. That it will outgrow us. Whatever it is we're trying to do. Whatever it is that we try to accomplish. Whatever ministry that we involve ourselves in. Whatever it is that we do. If God blesses then we may well find it growing beyond our ability to do it. And at that point, we're going to have to multiply our ministry somehow. You might come to me and say, well, Brother Rich, you know, I need some help. I understand that. You might say, well, you know, we just need to send these folks somewhere else. Well, that's what the disciples said. But Jesus said, neither one of those is acceptable. And so instead, he moved to teach them these principles we're going to see today about how to multiply your ministry. It's a simple story, really, but as all these stories are, it has profound effects. First of all, he told them to evaluate your resources. That's in verse 38. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Now the loaves that Jesus was talking about were not like our loaves of bread. In fact, these were small cakes that they would make out by hand and cook them. Uh, they were more like biscuits, only they weren't hot and fluffy. They were hard and compacted after this time, easily transported. The fish that he talked about weren't big, huge fish. They were little bitty. In fact, the Bible specifically says they were small fish. And we think about a sardine, for example, only without the oil. Their fish was either dried in salt or it was pickled. And uh, so this was their way of preserving it, the way of sending it out. So small fish and biscuits. In fact, the rest of the day, I'll just go ahead and call them biscuits to help you because I can identify with biscuits a lot better. Andrew then spoke up in John's account with the report uh, we have found some, a boy with some biscuits and fish, but what are they among so many? What are they among so many? The first principle then in, in multiplying our ministry is to evaluate our resources. And let me tell you something about our resources in the Lord's work. They're never enough. They are never enough. In the Lord's work, we're always shorthanded. In the Lord's work, we're always pressed for time. Like the disciples, we may have some money, but when you start trying to provide for all of this incredible need that's all around us in our culture and around the world, we, we'll run out of money quick. The need is bigger than all of our 
personal resources or even our financial resources. We look at what we have and we'd say, what is this among so many? I'm glad to be able to tell you today that God uses what we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul says not that we are, are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. Now the letter that he's talking about is the letter of the law, and we today still use that expression. The letter of the law refers to all of the minute decisions, all of the minute requirements. We've got to do it to the very letter of the law. And that would call us then to consider then what we have available to us. Look then at the need. And we're going to do ministry by the letter. That means that we're never going to do any more than what we can see. And Paul said the, the letter kills. But we need to understand that our sufficiency in the Lord's work is not of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one then who makes us able or sufficient ministers of the New Testament. And that makes sense because, listen, God is not just always about doing physical things. And so many times, even like in this text, when he's doing physical things, he's still doing spiritual things. There is an impact then that goes beyond even the things that we can see because God is doing spiritual work and eternal work. We're not sufficient for that. All of our resources are going to come up short. All of our ideas are going to come up short. We can put all of our resourcefulness together. They're still going to come up short. Everything that we might invent, every idea that we can have, it's still going to come up short. If it's up to us, we'd never be able to do it. But it's not up to us. Our sufficiency is of God. So we look at our resources and we say, well, this can't matter very much. It, this can't possibly have any kind of an impact. I beg to differ. You see, we need to look at our resources, not just for what we can see and what we can count. We need to see them for what they are. Our sufficiency is of God. Jesus is the one that sent them out. Go, go get you. Go, go see what you've got. Now, in John's account, there, there's an intriguing interaction that takes place. We're not going to do this very often. I told you that when I was looking at the Gospel of Mark. But this is one of those times where it just begs to be done. And In John's account, you see, uh, Jesus and Philip had this interaction. And, and it's going on here. We'll see that a little bit more in a moment. But uh, as Jesus and Philip then are having this encounter about uh, how this thing was going to play out, there's an interesting little footnote. Where shall we buy bread, Jesus said. And this he said to prove him. For he himself knew what he would do. When he sends them out then to go out and count up the loaves that are out there, he, he knew exactly. <laughs> Jesus already knew. He already knew what he's going to do. Aren't you glad that when we face a dilemma in our life, your life and mine, that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ who already knows how it's going to work out. 
He himself knew what he was, was going to do. So this whole thing, you see, was kind of a setup. That's why that I, I, I said what I said earlier about it. it this whole thing, Jesus is, is putting it together for their benefit. He's teaching them that there's more to their resources than they'll ever be able to see. Second thing then in multiplying our ministry, number one, evaluate your resources. No matter how meager they might seem. Secondly, then, find somebody willing. How many loaves do you have? Five and two fish. John's account has Andrew coming to Jesus. There's a lad here, just a boy, who has five barley loaves. There those biscuits are and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Though these resources were small, five loaves. Two fish. That's exactly seven times more than what the apostles had, which was nothing. Whatever food they had, they had eaten on the boat. Whatever most of the people there had, they had eaten on the Why this little boy ended up with five loaves and two fishes? Why he ended up with those biscuits and fish? I don't know, but he did. One of the great principles of multiplying ministry is to find someone Then who has what you don't have. Now I say this sincerely. Uh, I can preach a sermon. I'm not saying in that that I'm the greatest preacher in America or even the greatest preacher in Cabot. I'm not saying that, but I can preach a sermon. But I'm not a very good organizer. Just not. You can say, well, Brother Rich, you ought to be a better organizer. And I'll agree with you. I probably should. But what if I said to you, hey, you need to be a better preacher? Well, you see, one of the great principles about multiplying ministry is that we need to bring ourselves, we need to be looking for somebody who has what we don't have. And uh, when it comes to our ministry here at Faith Baptist, you don't have to worry about me being organized because God sent us Miss Tina over here, Tina Goodwin. She's organized enough for all of us. I I promise you. I drive her buggy, but that's all right because we work together. She can do what I can't do. With me, it's a mystery. How did you do that? I don't know. It's it's easy. It's not easy for me. You see, we don't just need people who like us or who can do the same things that we do or who are like us. We don't need someone who has all the things that we already have. Jesus sent them out to evaluate their resources and they found somebody who had them and that somebody had something that they didn't have. Though his resources seemed meager and they were meager, yet there was so much more to it because he gave what he had and he gave it to Jesus. Every time I read this story, I'm amazed at this little boy with his five biscuits and two small fish. See, the natural thought process is this. This is nothing. Nothing to this. Uh, if I had a bread factory, I'd, I'd give that. Or, man, if I had the food trucks, I, I'd bring them in. I could take care of this in no time. But with the simple faith of a child, there's a lad here. There's always a boy here. He might not even take a minute, never entered into his mind as far as I can tell, 
that that little scrap of food wouldn't possibly make any difference. He said, we need some food. Here, I got some. He was willing. And he gave it to Jesus. It's a great time for us to remember this morning that Jesus takes and uses exactly what we make available to Him. Nothing more, nothing less. There might be a thousand reasons that we can think of as why we should not give our resources, whatever they are. And you may think that I'm just talking about money here, but listen, there's a lot of things that are a lot more valuable to us than our money and a lot... Uh, harder for us to give than our money. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But out of all the reasons why that we could tell ourselves, well, I can't do this. I don't have time. I'm too tired. I don't have energy. I got, got too many other, I'm pulled in too many directions. We can think of a thousand reasons. If you run out of reasons, the devil will give you a thousand more. And out of all the potential reasons as to why we shouldn't make our resources available to Jesus. There's really only one reason why we should. Let me spell it out for you. It's J-E-S-U-S. We evaluate our resources and they're meager. But as we're evaluating them, it's always going to come down to somebody who is willing Even if they don't have what we have, even if they can't do what we do, they have brought their resources and are willing to give them to Jesus, even if it seems incredibly insufficient, which brings us to the third way that our ministry is multiplied and that Jesus makes the multiplication happen. Verse 39, he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. Remember, Paul, uh, Mark wrote this uh, gospel to the Romans. And so the Romans would have understood exactly what he's talking about. All this organization, they're going to uh, sit down in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before him. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now there's a a problem here that really this passage does not settle for us. And we could read all of the gospel accounts and it still doesn't settle it. And that is, how did this happen exactly? Now, I've always tried to picture it in my mind. You know, Jesus had five biscuits, so he broke them in two. That would give each uh, ten apostles, and each one of them would have half a biscuit. And then that, that left two, and he could give them the two fish. But the text really didn't kind of back that out. It kind of ends up that he gave them all some. So, okay, it wasn't exactly even. Some had less than others. Uh, a couple of them he had to split three ways. Okay. All right. You have to, I I try to figure this out. Now, there's 20,000 people there. You got 12 apostles. So here they go, and they got a little handful, a piece of bread and a piece of fish. You ever stood in line at a potluck, wondering if there was going to be any dessert left when you got there, huh? You ever? Man, I, I just... All right, so, so here they go. I've got 12 of them, 20,000 people to get to. So here, I've got some. Let, let me give you some. And let me move to the next one. Let me give you some. 
Some of those people wouldn't have ate till breakfast. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? And we know that did not happen because Jesus fed them and he fed them quickly because by dark he's sending the apostles out in a boat and he himself is going to go up on a mountain to pray. That story comes next week. So it's already even time when they start this. By dark they're all fed and Jesus then is sending them away. So this all played out very quickly. In order for it to play out very quickly then somehow... It had to go beyond just those 12 guys handing out food to 20,000 people. At some point, that food had to start multiplying, at which time other people. I, I don't, man, I, I, I've said this over and over again. I hope God's got it on video. I want to see it. I mean, did they give it out and it just starts growing? Here, take some. <laughs> I don't. Somewhere along the way, that stuff had to, it had to start growing and it had to start spreading so that now where there were 12 guys who were handed out food, now all of those thousands, they're just spreading it out to each other, passing it along. It multiplied. It multiplied. And it moved very fast. I don't know how it did. I have proposed a possible scenario. But I'm very quick to tell you I don't know how it did it. All I know is that it multiplied. And it of necessity involved more than just what the twelve could hand out. Other people then very quickly got in on it. You see, that was going to be a great picture of how their ministry was going to operate. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Now before this, you know, we had the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. After that come the healing of the crippled man at the gate of the temple, the beautiful gate, silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have I give unto thee, Simon Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 5,000 people were saved as a result of that. By the time we get to Acts chapter 6, so that's Acts chapter 2, and then Acts chapter 4, and then Acts chapter 6. And the Word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied. They couldn't even count it anymore. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. Acts chapter 12, verse 24, The Word of God grew and multiplied. This was a picture of how their ministry was going to work. As they would spread the gospel to one person who would spread it to someone else and then someone else and someone else, the ministry would just multiply. The passage also tells us that Jesus didn't leave them a lot of that miracle bread to take home and try to duplicate. They sent the baskets out to go pick them up. Again, my mind wants to know, where'd they get baskets? They were out in the middle of the desert, and there's only one place. They came off the boat. Remember, that was a fishing vessel. <laughs> and they had baskets that they used when they brought the fish in the net. They'd load them up in the baskets and take them out. So they got those baskets and went around and started picking up that bread that had multiplied. And out of 20,000 people, there was only 12 baskets left. That's a meager amount <laughs> For 20,000 people, obviously, for the most part, you know, they got it out there, they got it to everybody, and, and the miracle had stopped. 
Jesus did not create. I mean, that, that could have been let go, and we might still be eating on bread and fish all the time. But he stopped it so that the multiplication stopped. They picked up then all, I don't know what they did with the leftovers. They could have eaten bread and fish for a long time. Let me run through quickly this morning and very simply what we do know for an absolute fact. We know that Jesus took what was made available to him and he multiplied it. He used that miracle of multiplication then to make all that probably 20,000 people could eat. And at the end, so he's, he's took those five biscuits and two small fish. He's multiplied it to meet the needs of 20,000 people where they all had all they could eat. Not a snack. All they could eat. And after he's done, there was way, way, way more left over than when he started. He started with five biscuits, two fish, fed all of those people all they could eat, and at the end, there's 12 basketfuls. I'm not one of those health and wealth prosperity preachers you see on television and other places. No, I'm not that. I'm not talking about giving Jesus $100 today and he had turned it into $1,200 once it miraculously hits the church treasurer. Our, Church treasurer back there, Brother Danny, could tell you when you give $100 and we put it in the, in, the, in, the, in the church's account, it's still $100. It doesn't multiply. But the prosperity preachers would indicate, well, God, you give $100 and God will turn it into $1,200 and then give you $1,200 back. It's not what I'm preaching today. Don't take this that way because that's not the lesson Jesus is teaching in this passage. You see, it's our heart, number one, that God wants. If there first be a willing heart, the Bible says, it is accepted. It is our heart, first of all, that God wants. And our lives. And we, we give Him our life, us. And after all, when we give our life to Jesus, what exactly are we doing? If you're saved this morning, are you not bought with the price? Has not the Lord Jesus already bought you? You already belong to Him. But when we surrender ourselves to Him, we, we give Him then our life. He takes it and multiplies it. He uses it to meet the needs of people, needs that we never would have imagined. He does things with us that we would have never thought to do. He takes us places that we would have never thought to go. He teaches us and grows us and builds us so that even while we are meeting the needs of others in ministry, He is also growing us and building us. And at the end, at the end, there's more to us than there was when he started. Man, I, I didn't think there was enough of me to go around. 
And now look at there. I've, I've made myself available to Jesus and He's used me. And now there's even more. See, that's the way that principle of the abundant life really works. I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We remember this morning the story of the woman who gave the alabaster box to Jesus. Judas it was who looked at that gift and said, what a waste. But I want to tell you this morning that nothing is ever wasted when it is given to Jesus. And when it comes to our life, folks, we're all going to spend our life somehow. Somehow. We're going to spend it. We even use that exact terminology. Well, I, I spent a day doing whatever. Well, okay. Let me remind you that whatever it was you spent it doing, you did spend a day. What did it cost you? Say, it didn't cost me nothing. No, it cost you a day of your life if it didn't cost you anything else. I spent a day. Yeah, you did. I'm not telling you that what you spent your day on was necessarily wrong. If you went to work, the Bible says you work. That's a good thing. Oh, how that needs to be preached in America today. Working's a good thing. We saw it in our text. They needed rest. Sometimes we just need a break. You spend a day giving, taking a break. Great. You probably needed it a lot more. But whatever we do, we spend it. There's only one way, you see, that our life is more than just spent. Are you listening to me? There's only one way that our life is more than just spent. One of the earliest lessons that any of us learn is that you can't spend your money and keep it too. Amen? You can't spend your life and keep it too. There's only one way that we can spend our lives. And that's the way that Jesus talked about in this last passage we have for you today. Whosoever shall keep his life, Jesus said, shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake and for the gospels shall find it. How does that work? Because listen, folk, what we give to Jesus, what we spend for Jesus, what our life is it, it's given to him, it's not just spent because it's invested <laughs> for eternity. The only way we get our life off of this planet, the only part of our life we get to keep, it's what we send on along ahead of us to glory in the service of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has a lot of work to do out in this world. And He has implemented then this great principle of multiplication. Where we give ourselves to Jesus, He will take and use, bless and break what we give, Multiply it to meet the needs. And at the end, He will make more of us than we had to start with. Let's stand together, please.